Let's get it going. Let's get it going. We back. Another episode of Slam Presents No Pump Fix. And we got two-time champ Norris Cole on the pod. What's up, man? What's going on? What's going on? Appreciate y'all having me. I already know, yes, man. Sir. I already know. We, we see you got the repping the Cleveland State gear, so much yeah. respect. Cleveland State, baby. I, I, I already know. I, I respect it. I was telling you before we started recording, how to represent with the UConn gear. So ain't nothing wrong with showing love to, to you know, it's cool. Respect. Yes, sir. Um, so off rip, you know, I don't really like to waste time. You know, with long intros <laughs> and stuff like that. So we, we, we can just get right into it. Norris Cole, I have a question for you. Me and Ahmad get, get into it back and forth about this. And I figured I would present you with this question as well. Um, how do you feel about zone defense? We're going to talk, talk about some things. You know, we're going to talk about the Miami Heat and stuff this like guy. that. No, no, I, I can't ask. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to hear his thoughts. On zone defense, it, it just came to my mind literally before we started recording, that's all. So I figured I'd ask him a question. How do you feel about zone defense, even though we are admitted into this podcast? That's, that's the first thing I want to talk about. <laughs> Individually, I prefer to play man-to-man defense, but I believe it has, to, it has to do with your team. So if your team is not built up with, you know, guys that can defend at a high level man-to-man, then I believe playing zone defense periodically is a good strategy, can be a good strategy. You know, playing it for a whole game at the pro level, mm, nah, I don't necessarily believe in it. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man-to-man help side type of guy rather than a zone defense type of guy. So it depends what level of basketball you're talking. Now, high school, college, zone is definitely necessary. Definitely necessary. But you can still teach man-to-man principles, kind of like Jim Behan does. But I'm, I'm a man-to-man guy. All my life I've been taught, you know, be able to contain the ball at least two to three dribbles, you know, and then as a help defender, always be ready to help. And it's different That's a good zone. question right off the rip. <laughs> we here. Right off the rip. We here. I told, you. A, I told you before we started recording. It was, you know. And, it's a, and, that's a, and that's a good, I mean, I talk about the different zones that you played with the Miami Heat. Because you guys play zone on your, your run. Two-time champion, uh, of course. Yeah, not much though. Not much. Yeah. I mean, when we when we did play, it was more like a. I mean, we really never really played it that much, honestly. But it was more like a matchup. Yeah, matchup you zone. Know, like, yeah, like a matchup zone. You know, you play man to man in your area, with the help side principles. Um, mostly two three though, like you no, know, like the basic two three. Mm-hmm. But it was basically a matchup because most teams are going to overload. And the zone player on the opposite side, he's not guarding anybody, so he has to go through with the overload, and then it turns into a man-to-man anyway. So it was just a matchup, and mostly we did it to slow, maybe like slow a fast-paced team down just to make them slow down, and then we got right back to -to man-to-man to make sure the floor was balanced. So it was always temporary if we ever did do it. But but Cole, Cole, was it still necessary, though? Because I have a friend here, Theus. He says, like, you know, he uh, hates he hates teams that play zone. He thinks zones. No, it's necessary. It's definitely and, necessary. It's, right. It's a part of basketball. You know, it's a part of basketball. You gotta you gotta be able to have different schemes, different strategies in order to win. You know, if you if you give the same look every single time, you know, teams will figure that out. So you gotta sometimes you gotta throw throw a rabbit in the hat sometime and then go back to your to your precious man to man. Okay, you go, and, and so you, you no, I, still, oh, I still disagree. Just because he explained it to me, I'm, I'm not going to disagree. 
<laughs> that was a good explanation. I see what he's saying, but I still disagree. So my thing is, O'Toole, you talked about the difference between playing zone in the NBA uh, versus college and high school, right? Uh, right? So obviously with there being defensive three seconds in the pros, how do you, like, is there any other difference you feel like it should be played versus, you know, in the NBA versus the college level? Or is that just it? Well, the defensive three seconds is uh, it's a difference too, but the players are a higher level player. The shooters in the NBA are the, like some of the best shooters in the world. So you can't give up open shots at a steady pace to the best shooters in the world. You know, they shoot your lights out. So that's why nobody plays a steady diagonal zone in the NBA because every team has a guy that they're paying 10, 15, $20 million to make three point shots open, you know? So you can't play a, a steady dose of zone because you'll get shot out, you know, in the NBA. But at the college and the high school level, the talent level sometimes is not equal. It's not as many, you know, great shooters, great, you know, decision makers as far as point guards. You know, in the NBA, you got point guards that can break a guy down and get inside of a zone. And then you got alley-oops, you got weak side corner threes. So it's, it's hard to, to play a zone defense for the whole game in the NBA. You know, but like I said, sometimes it's necessary to, to slow the pace down. If the team is trying to get 110, 120 possessions or whatever, and you throw a zone in there to cut that down, that's pretty good strategy, you know? Okay. Uh, from All right. So from a strategy standpoint, I think the two of you are on the same page in terms of overall. If you got to play zone to win the game. You play zone. Very simple. Yeah. Only right? if you have to. I'm not saying everything. Right. That's has what, yeah. To. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Right. So you're we, saying that if you have to. My question is too. I think we all just talked about it from a, a hooper's perspective, or actually playing the game perspective. But let mm-hmm. me ask you something off that. As a fan of the game, how do you feel about watching a zone defense be played? Well, me, I'm a true basketball head, so I appreciate all forms of basketball. So I'm okay with it. I'm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see any problem with it. Um. I don't what I don't like to see is bad man to man defense. That's what I don't like to see. Mm-hmm. Guys just giving up layups, giving up wide open, uncontested shots, no help side. That's what I don't like. You know, so anything that's gonna create a competitive game, I'm okay with it. You know, in, in the NBA, it's you know, they've made it more about uh entertainment, you know, so the rules favor a lot the offensive players, even though this year they kind of changing that. And I'm liking yeah. it. I'm liking like it because it. it's it makes a great offensive player really have to go into his bag, you know, and it gives the defense a chance to really compete. Cause before, man, when you can't touch a person or when an offensive player can, you know, reach his arm out and entangle yours or jump into you unnaturally and they call fouls, you know, it, it kind of creates a disadvantage. So I, I like that they're even in the playing fields. It's crazy. Cause we're talking about defense right now. And me and Thea's always talk about like the difference when it comes to like, perimeter defense and like help side defense like too many times mm. I and Theus feel like you know what a lot of guys that win a defensive player of the year awards they're great rim protectors and great like help side defenders but when I think of defense I think of guarding like I want to hear like your opinion on that well there's a it's a combination of both um when you're talking about big men seven footers they're not going to guard out in the perimeter but if they're elite at protecting the rim because the ultimate goal of the game is to put the ball in the basket and to keep the team from putting the ball in the basket. Mm-hmm. And so a good defender is able to do just that. So if that means he's good at blocking the ball and securing the defensive rebound, that's a form of defense. Or if you have a guy who can contain 
you know, on the dribble on the perimeter and contest shots and hold a guy who shoots, you know, 50% to 42%. That's also a great defender as well. So I think it's just the positioning they're in on the court. Um, like I'm like you, I prefer, you know, perimeter defenders get a little bit more credit, but in this day and age, it's going to be hard because there's so many possessions in the game. A guy's going to score and get his averages. That's just going to happen. But right. if you can keep his percentages down, um, I believe that that guy should have a little bit of an advantage, you know, to win, you know, make defensive player of the year or the guy who can do a combination of both. Mm-hmm. But Rudy Gobert, like, for example, he's exceptional at protecting the basket. Yeah. He's not just your average shot. Blocker. He's like exceptional at holding the paint down. You know what I mean? And then you also got, you know, other shot blockers. Um, I remember Hassan Whiteside back when he was playing with the Heat. He was the same way. He was exceptional at securing the paint. So guys like those two guys, they they deserve defensive player of the year. Then you got guys like Draymond Green. He's a combination of both. You know, he can guard, you know, certain guys. He can guard, you know, most bigs. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, the elite bigs are going to get, you know, they're going to get theirs. But he can guard most bigs. He can help side defend at an elite level. He can step out there on the perimeter and guard. And so the combination of, you know, defending on the perimeter, defending in the help side, defending at the rim and securing the rebound, you know, is a reason why he's looked at as an elite defender as well. Yeah. So, Norris, we had Sean Marion come on the podcast before and he talked about guarding one through five. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he talked about guarding one through five. And I think he mentioned like most people, when they hear that, they think of like, all right, I can guard one through five on a possession. But there's a difference between guarding for one possession and being able to guard one through five for an entire game, right? right. So how do you, how do you feel about that? The ability to be able to switch or guard any positions throughout the an, an entire forty-eight. He's exactly right. I mean, I can switch for one possession on a big, you know, a, as a guard, six-one guard, but I'm not going to, you know, do that for a steady diet. You know, obviously, a, a post player, seven foot, two hundred sixty pounds, is going to probably score him, you know, but he, him, and there, there's few guys that can actually say they can guard, you know, one through five. And when guys say one through five, really, they don't mean real five men either. You know, they mean yeah. one through one through four and can switch off on the five. You know, because when you talk about true five men, it takes really a true four or five man to guard a real five man. But he's right. You know, most guys, you know, when they say they can guard one through five, one through four, they don't mean at a steady diet but the matrix he can do it draymond green is another guy who's shown that he can you know do it especially in today's you know you know basketball he he's he's one of the guys that can it's not many that can though it's not many there's not many that can would you say ben simmons or anthony davis um ben simmons i don't know about guarding a post player for a long time but he can definitely guard all the perimeter in the four he can guard one through four for sure and um, Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, not the one so much. He can for a few possessions. He can switch out there, but not the one so much. But like wings, he can guard the wings. And obviously he can guard the fives, you know, anything from two to five. You don't want your bigs. It's hard for a big to play play against a one for a whole game, switch for a whole game. Mm-hmm. It, it's not me. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to think of one big that can do it for a whole game. I don't. I can't think of one big that can. They're, they're about to say there off. might not be one. <laughs> yeah, not one big that can switch off on Chris Paul every time and stay in front of him for a whole game. That's not 
or Trey Young for a whole game. I don't know no – or Steph Curry, you're going to switch off with him for a whole game? Mm-hmm. I don't see no big that can do that. Because then it's like, it's basically, is there any guy in the league that can guard Trey Young as well as Joel Embiid? It's like it's two separate yeah. positions, like one of the smallest no, scores in the league. There's like no, the big... one, there's no one guy that can do that. And the closest the closest that may be able to do it is like maybe like Draymond Green, maybe. What about your? But, what about your? But even him, no. Even him, that would be difficult. What about your former teammate LeBron James in his prime? That's probably the one of the best defenders oh, yeah. I've ever seen in his prime in Miami. Yeah, in his prime, LeBron? for sure. I mean, okay. he's in year nineteen now, but for sure in his prime, LeBron's one of the best. You know, defend. He would guard Derrick Rose some nights, Tony Parker some nights, and then other nights, Kobe Bryant and Kevin Durant. <laughs> and then on other nights, you know, Kevin Garnett, you know, so, you know, he, he, that's crazy. I was like, you like, you know, that like when you, when you hear it out loud, it's like, damn, Tony Parker one night and Kevin Garnett, like it's, but imagine, imagine yeah. Cole was there. Yeah. He was there watching I up saw, close. Yeah. yeah. I saw him had to guard, you know, I remember we was playing the Celtics and sometimes Ray John Rondo would give us fits. And so we would go to a bigger lineup. And we would put you know, D-Wade or LeBron on Ray John Rondo, you know? Or like I said, Derrick Rose, you know, in the fourth quarter, we would be like, all right, fourth quarter, all right, Brian, you got him the whole fourth quarter. And, like, and he would be like, he would do it. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, it would be difficult, but, like, he would do it. And then another game, like I said, it's Kevin Garnett. <laughs> that same game when he was going Rondo, sometimes he got to guard, you know, Kevin Garnett. And then you got, you know, who we played. When we played uh, the Spurs, Sometimes he would, you know, had to guard, you know, Tim Duncan sometime down there. So, <laughs> you know, he's, you know, he's one of the guys that, you know, he's one of the few guys that could, you know, in his prime that can guard, you know, multiple positions at a high level. Because a lot of guys can, like, quote unquote, guard. But when you start talking about guarding at elite level, LeBron in his prime, he was definitely one of those dudes. Yeah. And, and talk to me, too, about, I guess, the versatility and the overall sacrifices that those um, you know, Heat teams had to make because obviously everyone you know likes to talk about the the talent and the superstar status that th- that you all have, but like the idea of like winning an NBA championship is not an easy thing to t- do. I don't care who's on your roster, right? So, just how yeah. was the overall sacrifice that had to be made? Well, everyone had to make sacrifices on the team, not just the three stars. You know, you got to think. Great teams have great role players, and you have to have role players that are excited to be role players. And on our team, we were, you know, I was excited to go out there and pressure somebody full court. I was excited to, you know, push the pace of the game and go fast. You know, even if I only shot the ball four times, three times, you know, I was I was excited to play my role. Udonis Haslam was excited to box out, rebound, be physical, you know, get a technical foul every now and then, you know, shoot the mid range that he, you know, his pick and pop mid range, you know, he was only going to get, you know, four or five shots maybe, but he was excited in his role. Reggie Miller, I mean Reggie Miller, uh, Mike Miller, yeah. he was excited. You know, he was one of the best three-point shooters in the game, but he didn't get a lot of attempts, but he was excited. You know, the attempt that he did get, he was locked in. Shane Battier was locked in to doing all the dirty work, being the 3 and D guy. Rio, you know, Rio is you know, one of the most confident players you ever meet in your life. He but he was excited, you know, every chance he got to show, you know, that he could knock down a big shot and get steals and guard the other team's starting point guard. So, 
You know, we we had a team that was excited to play our roles. And then obviously LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosch, they had to sacrifice their stardom a little bit. Number LeBron didn't really have too much, but D. Wade was a star. You gotta understand that. Like star, like league leader in points, like yeah, all-star, like Olympian. Like he was like number one type of guy. And he, you know, you know, put his pride to the side and was like, you know, Brian, you know, lead us. And Dwayne led us in a different type of way. And Chris Bosch, who made the biggest sacrifice, he was a he's an eleven time in a row All Star. You talking about? He was the man in Canada. Came down to you know be the third quote unquote the third wheel, but was the best third wheel you ever see. You know yeah. we don't win those championships without CB one. So you know everyone was excited to make the the sacrifices. And when you have a team that's excited to play their roles, that's when you have special groups. And we were we were definitely a special group. Now, Cole, you have people that always talk about, like, heat culture, but you played for the mm-hmm. Miami Heat. Can you really explain what heat culture means to you since you played on that team? Well, it is. If, you, if you've ever played for a different team in the NBA and then you come to Miami Heat, you will experience it. Or if you play for the Miami Heat and then you go play for a different team, you will notice it right away. As soon as you walk in the building, it's, you have accountability. Um, the most famous thing is the weight and body fat. That's a real thing. They check your weight and body fat every week. <laughs> and if you're not in the range that, you know, Pat wants you, you know, you, you can get fined or you have to meet with the strength coach a lot more than, you know, you normally would have to, which is no fun. So, yeah, you, you, you it's definitely a culture of accountability. It's a culture of hard work. You know, when you when you go to practice, mouthpiece and knee, knee pads, that's a real thing. You got to wear your mouthpiece. You got to wear your knee pads. You know, because, you know, practice is going to be a little bit more physical than probably other teams that you're going to play for. And so they make you wear your mouthpiece and your knee pads so that you don't, you know, get a thigh contusion. You know, how we play defense, you don't want to knee nobody in the thigh or go knee to knee, you know, boxing out, doing box out drills and three on three war drills, stuff like that. You wear a mouthpiece so you don't, you know, get your teeth, you know, stuff knocked out. So it's a real thing. But it's also a beautiful thing because we do everything first class. We travel first class, hotels first class. When we have Christmas events and parties and stuff, it was everything was above and beyond, you know. So we worked hard, but we played hard too. Yeah, I mean, being in Miami, it's only right. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just saying. Hey, hey, it's only right. Yeah. It's only right. You, you got to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but going even going off that though, do you think that all NBA players could play for the Miami Heat? No. Mm. I know for a fact all NBA players can't play. No, I mean, you can play there, but Excel, not everybody can play there and Excel. You know, you, you, there's, not a, there's a lot of prima donnas, you know, prima donna attitudes, you know, and in Miami, that don't really fly. <laughs> it, don't, it don't really fly. So it's, even though it's Miami and it's palm trees and it's sunshine, it's blue-collar work when you walk into that building. It's hard work when you walk in there. So if you think you're going to come down there and just be going out, hanging out every night and then coming into practice, slouching and not making your weight, it's it's not happening. It's not happening in Miami. So I know for a fact every player couldn't go there and play in Excel. What was it like as a young player getting drafted by a team expected to compete for a championship? For me – it was great just to be drafted. You know, that's every kid's dream to be drafted in the NBA. I didn't know what to expect. I was just happy to hear my name called. 
And then on, once I realized I was going there, I kind of automatically knew like, okay, this is championship or a bus. So I just wanted to prove that I could be a contributor. I didn't want to be a guy to go in there and sit, sit the bench and, you know, or be in the suit. I wanted to go in there and be a guy who they can be like, I, we drafted him and he can play right now. And so, but in order to do that, you got to prove yourself. And so my attitude was as soon as I get down there, it's work time. I'm not there to enjoy the beach. I'm not there to, you know, do all the extra, you know, curricular. I'm there to prove that I'm worthy to be in the rotation on a heavy veteran championship team. Cause I know, I knew the history. Miami is not known for playing young guards, young point guards. And so I want to, you know, I want to change that. I want to go down there and be like, I'm a young fella, but I'm ready to play. And, and I was fortunate enough to earn their trust and be able to be in the rotation. Was that, was that a tough thing to do though? Um, Cause obviously I feel like early on before you get drafted, most rookies might have that mentality, but it's different when you actually get down there, especially in a city of like Miami. Uh, honestly, it wasn't tough. For, I mean, the hard work, obviously I worked hard, but the mentality wasn't tough because where I came from Cleveland state, you know, coach Gary waters, it was, it was hard work every day, you know, bring your lunch pail every day, compete every day. So that's that's in my blood. And that's one of the reasons why they drafted me, because that's how they are. They want somebody that's going to come in, that's going to lace them up every day and get to it. And that was my attitude. I was ready to get to it against whoever every single day in practice or in the game. And so my mentality was already that it was just a matter of learning the, the language, you know, learning the terminology, learning the schemes. Um, learning how to compete at the pro level. And once I learned that, you know, I, you know, I knew that I was capable of doing it. And then it was a matter of showing it in the game so that they trust you. It's one thing to, to show it in practice. It's one thing to show it in preseason. But then when coach gives, give you some minutes, you know, you want to show that. And, and like I said, I was able to do that, you know, and I took, I took my job serious, bro. I wasn't one of those silly young rookies. It's not that it's wrong to be silly and stuff like that, but I was more on the serious side of things. You know, I was down there, you know, to put in work. Yeah. You, go ahead, Amon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, play, you played 140 games at Cleveland State. Do you think that kind of helped you being like a seasoned college player and then going to, into a situation with the Miami Heat compared to well, like yeah, for sure, getting drafted for sure. as a freshman? Yeah. Yeah, take it because at that time, you got to think the Heat is the most watched team in all the sports. We were the most famous team in all the sports. So it was like lights, camera, action, everywhere you go. So you have to be a little bit mature to handle that, you know, because, you know, one slip up, you say the wrong thing, you get caught out doing the wrong thing. It's the camera there. And it's no, you know, once the camera rolling, it's no taking it back. You say the wrong thing, it's headline news. My, such and such from the Miami, he said this. Such and such from the Heatles did this. TMZ this. You know what I mean? So I think going to college, you know, being a college grad did help as far as being mature and being a man. I was a man as a rookie. I wasn't 19, 18, you know, years old, 20 years old. You know, I was, you know, a seasoned, you know, I was a grown man as a rookie. So I think that did kind of help, you know, help me make that, you know, switch. Yeah. And, and so even speaking of, you know, you not entering the league at the, you know, as a teenager, um, right. do you do you feel like you had like an, an OG vet or that kind of uh, mentorship from anyone um, on the heat or I guess within the entire league? Yeah, for sure. You know, Juwan Howard. <laughs> Juwan Howard was the first person to pick me up and take me to practice when I got to Miami. Before I got my car and everything, he would pick me up and take me to practice every morning. We'd be the first ones in, in, the, in the building every morning. Pick me up, go get his coffee, and we'd go right to the gym. So he was my OG from the start. 
And then obviously I had LeBron, you know, he was, you know, we had the ties to Ohio, the Northeast Ohio area. Um, and that, during that lockout time, I had went, you know, to his house a couple of times and worked out. So I had him, I had James Jones, who's the, you know, the general manager now at Phoenix. He was my locker, you know, he was right, his locker was right next to mine. So he would always talk to me about my finances, you know, being smart, um, taking care of my business off the court. And then on the other side of me was Shane Battier. And he would talk to me about um, the same thing JJ would about, you know, not trying to keep up with the Joneses, you know, be smart, live in reality, don't live in this fake NBA world, live in reality, you know. And then he would also teach me how to do a defensive scout. Shane Bettier taught me how to scout my opponent and how to defend them to their weaknesses. That's how I learned it. I learned that through Shane Bettier. So, you know, I had a lot of OGs on that team. And then, you know, Udonis, you know, he was, they would always call me, Coach Spo, he would call me little, little UD because you was like, he was mean. He was, you know, always aggressive. He was intense. And I was the same way, you know, on the court, I wanted all the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I had UD that always bagged me up. You know what I mean? He showed me, you know, he showed me what Miami, what the Miami life and culture was all about. You know, I had a lot of OGs, man. I, I was fortunate because I was, all, I was the youngest guy on the team for two or three straight years. You got to understand. So, you know, I, I got a lot of lessons. <laughs> I got a lot of lessons. Um, D-Wade, too. You know, D-Wade, I wasn't able to go home for one um, for one holiday. And he allowed me to come over to his house for the holiday. And I got to see how the Wades did, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff like that. And so, you know, he, you know, it was just a special team, bro. And I was I was fortunate to have so many OGs. And, and, and I mean, you, you talk about, you know, when you think about the situation that you entered when you first got drafted. A lot of times nowadays, guys get drafted to bad teams or, you know, guys get drafted to teams where everybody pretty much the same age, like 23 and under. But you yeah. went to a team where there was a lot of veterans. So how do you think that overall helped your development? Um, I think it helped a lot um, because even though I was on a veteran team, all of them, you know, they wasn't like kind of quote unquote old. Like LeBron was still in his 20s. You know, he was in his late 20s. D-Way was in his late 20s. CB, late 20s. You know, obviously Shane, Shane, Mike Miller, you know, JJ, they were in their 30s. Uh, Ray was in his 30s, but they were in the, the mid, the late, they were in their late 20s and early 30s, which is, I think, prime time, you know. But I think in the league now, they need more veteran players to help, you know, with these young guys because how can you learn if you don't have anybody to show you? You know, on, and most good teams are not filled with young players. There's a little bit of both. You have some young guys. You have some guys in their prime, like mid to late 20s. Then you have some veteran guys. Just think of the Warriors. When they were doing their thing, there wasn't a super young team. They had guys in their mid to late 20s balling out. Then they had the veteran, you know, guys off the bench. And then they had a couple, one or two young guys, you know. I think when you have the combination, those are the best teams. Teams with all young guys, it's going to be hard for them to, to win. You know, it's going to be hard because they're still trying to figure it out. And so, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer in vets. Can you talk about how hard it is to stay in the NBA once you get into the NBA? Oh, man, <laughs> it's hard to get in the NBA. It's even harder to stay there because every year there's a draft. 
60 more players that's coming in. And so um, that's why that's why you always work on your game in the summertime. That's why you always keep your body in shape. Um, that's why you try to find your niche in the league um, and be a, and be adaptable because there's always new and young talent that's coming, coming up behind you. Um, and, and it is, it is difficult. Um, but just to be able to make it in the NBA is a blessing. And then to be able to play multiple years is even more of a blessing. And if you're fortunate enough to get to your pension, man, that, you know, you're just, you're just working with house money, you know, in the real world, we're talking about the real world here. You know, Cause a lot of times people think you got to make 10, 20, 30 million to, to make it in life. And they, that's not the case, you know, in the real world, any salary that an NBA player makes is big money. And so if you're fortunate enough to do that for multiple years and you get and you get to your pension, you know, you've been blessed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's real. You know, That's and, real. And, yeah, I say and you talk about, you know, long, longevity in the league and just making smart decisions. One of the, the names you mentioned before the in terms of OG vets was uh, UD. And obviously with him being an undrafted guy, do you think that that kind of had. Uh, that he played with like a chip on his shoulder as well as you in terms of, you know, coming from a school like Cleveland State where it's not Duke or Kentucky or whatever, uh, but two guys who may have felt like they've had something to um, improve on during their during their career. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, you know, I, I got to know UD, you know, being down there and playing for the Heat. He definitely had that chip being undrafted. He played overseas before. And then came, you know, he played in France and then came over and played. So he had that chip on his shoulder and he brought it every day. And he brought that professionalism, that hunger every day. And I had that chip for a long time, you know, because I only had one scholarship offer. And that was to go to Cleveland State. And so I, I carried that chip, you know, my whole my whole career. And, you know, being able to see another person like minded, you know, that went through similar things. Um, it was it's cool when you speak the same language. It's cool when you have guys on your team that speak the same language as you. Talked about UD playing overseas, and you had a, a great, successful career playing overseas. You're still overseas right now. Can you talk about, like, how talented you got to be to play overseas, especially at the higher, like, level leagues over there? Oh, yeah. When you when you start talking about playing in the Euro League and the ACB Spanish League and, you know – Playing in uh, VTB or the Turkish League, those are, you know, the French League. Those are, you know, the highest leagues you can play in. And um, Euro Cup, Champions League, all those things. There's a lot of talented players. There's a lot of guys that played in the NBA, like myself. You know, I played six and a half, seven years in the NBA. And then I've been over here for about four, you know, four years. And there's a lot of talented guys over here that's NBA talent. But, you know, because of maybe circumstances or the league going younger, whatever the situation may be. They feel more, maybe they feel more comfortable. They play out here and they, you know, make a good living, earn a lot of money, play at a high level. The fan base out here is unbelievable. You know, obviously being in America is great, but, you know, the world is a big place. And there's a lot of great basketball fans, you know, in other places in the world. So, you know, I'm telling you, you have guys like Shane Larkin. You have guys like, you know, like uh, Mike James. Um, you have guys like uh, Malcolm Delaney. You know, you got guys like, you know, Nick Calathis is, you know, one of the top assisters in all of Europe. Um, you know, Miritich, he was in the NBA. He came out to Europe, you know, he's, you know, doing his thing out here. You have a lot of guys, you know, that's talented, you know, that's played in the NBA that are now playing out here. And it's very, very, very competitive. Yeah. And, and I want to uh, switch gears just a little bit. 
Um, how, how do you feel, Norris, about this current um, Miami Heat team? I'm excited about this team. I think the personalities match what Heat culture is about. You know, guys that are rugged, guys that are tough, guys that have championship pedigree. Um, you have shooting. You have guys that can penetrate, guys that can rebound assist, guys that can defend multiple positions. I mean, I, I like this team. You know, when you have a Kyle Lowry, who's a championship point guard, you have Jimmy Butler, who's a MVP caliber player. I mean, P.J. Tucker, who's a championship role player. Bam Adebayo, who's one of the best young bigs in the league. Tyler Hero, who's one of the most explosive young scorers in the league. Duncan Robinson, one of the best shooters in the league. Spo, who's one of the best coaches in the league. I mean, hey, what's not the light? <laughs> you think they can make it out the East? <laughs> I, I think they have a chance to. I think if circumstances are right, they have a chance to. Obviously, Milwaukee is going to be a tough out for anybody. Um, and obviously, you know, when you got Kevin Durant in the Eastern Conference, that's going to be a tough out for anybody. But as a team, if anybody can beat those two teams, I believe the Heat is the team that can do it. Yes, sir. All right. May I say yes, sir? Yes, sir. Wow. <laughs> Wild I said, bias. I said, have a, I said have a chance. He said yes, sir. Like, like, <laughs> he said yes, sir. Like, he might as well lob that question up for you. <laughs> nah, hey, no, nah, but no, nah, they really do got a legit chance. Like, oh, yeah, even yeah. if everybody is healthy, they yeah. have a chance to compete with the mommy. I mean, with the Milwaukee Bucks and the, you know, the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, they got it. They got it all. Like Nora said, they got great yeah. defensive philosophy. They got guys can. They got guys that can put the ball in the hoop. They got guys that can defend at a high level, especially on the perimeter. And it's yep. just like they also can switch as well with PJ, Bam, Kyle. And Jimmy Butler, like it's it's serious in Miami. It is, and then if Jim, if Victor Oladipo come back and he's they're talking he's about it, his normal normal self, they are really a problem. Yeah. All right, let, let, let's stir up some stuff because I, I can see you guys are agreeing with one another. That's, that's lovely. That's lovely. That's lovely. That's all good to hear. So let me ask you guys something. <laughs> To ruin this uh, heat party real quick. Um, so my question is, right, Ahmad, I think um, you tweeted this, some along the lines of, you know, I, I think um, Lowry was like untouchable or something like that, right? Like Kyle Lowry, you know, they're not going to trade him for whatever. But if Damian Lillard is available, then it's almost like a no-brainer. Not in my opinion, but just, you know, to what no, some people might yeah. think. Right. Yeah, I think so. Somebody, go ahead. Uh, right. <laughs> so, Norris, I'm not going to say if the Miami Heat were to trade Kyle Lowry, no. But on the alternative, the flip side, if Damian Lillard were to leave the Portland Trailblazers and some way somehow be traded to the Miami Heat, what do you think that does to their championship chances? I think it will increase their chances. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will increase their chances depending on who they have to give up, though, because Damian Little is a max player. So Portland Trailblazers are not going to make that trade without getting equal compensation. So you got to give up a lot. So, you know, it depends what pieces you have to give up. Um, right. Still, and whatever you may lose and let's say a little bit of defense, Dame Lillard is going to more than make up for that. Lovely. You know what? Norris is good at what he does. He didn't, he didn't say a name. Smart man. We, we got you, though. Ahmad, can, would you, what, would, what would the trade package be if, if you had oh, you to? Wanna... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't want to put Norris in, in, in that tough yeah, position. Yeah, that's fine. But Ahmad, I know you don't mind. So if you want to, what would the trade package look like if, if, if you were the Miami Heat? They can have anybody on that roster except for Jimmy Butler, Bam, 
and P.J. Tucker. That's how I look at it. For sure, for sure, Jimmy and Bam are untouchable. For sure. They're, they're, they're definitely untouchable. And I, and I would say, and P.J. Tucker's not untouchable, but you want to keep P.J. Tucker. Yeah, you want to keep him, too. You want to keep him because Championship pedigree role player. You got to keep him, yeah, I say it, sure. tell, tell the people why. Tell the people why. Because, you know, yeah, naturally, you know, people might hear. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, just yeah, saying. Norris, like, yeah, I, I agree. You but it's a they bigger want, picture. It's a bigger picture. Like, when you later on down the line, and when you're playing KD, or if you're playing Giannis, you're going to need a guy like P.J. Tucker. Exactly. So, for sure. Yep. For sure. Yep. For sure. So you already know that. So if they if they want Kyle Lowry, I love Kyle Lowry, but he got to go. If they want Tyler Hero, <laughs> he got to go. If they want Duncan Robinson, he got to go. You know what I'm saying? It's just like it's as simple as that. It's yeah, but game I don't we're see, talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see I, that I, happening, I, but I yeah, see, I don't see that being a two two team trade if that happens because that that would have to be a three team trade because Portland they already have certain guys that play those positions. Like us, TJ McCollum, like the young guard they have. What's his name? True. Anthony out Anthony, there. Simon, um, Simon, Simon. Yeah, Anthony Simon. Simon. And, you know, they already have some players out there, wing guys. So I think that would have to be a three team trade or multiple team trade in order to make that happen. But yeah, I mean, obviously, Bam and Jimmy are definitely untouchable. You know, so I, I thought, Amai, you were going to say Tyler. I, 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 I didn't no, think no, you were saying I think Tyler would go. Yeah, damn, bro! You say that without even because because no because Tyler because Tyler's the one guy where a lot of teams are gonna feel like yo, he can either be Tyler Hero is gonna either be a really great six man in this league or he's gonna have a chance to be maybe a potential all star. So that's how teams are gonna look at it. So it's just like maybe I'm like, oh, we get Tyler, maybe he has that chance to be a potential all star coming back in a deal with Dame because they, they know they're not gonna get Jimmy, they know they're not gonna get Bam, but it's just like. Right. They probably gonna want to get Tyler. Tyler's probably got to be if if the Heat are looking to trade anybody to get anybody significantly back. Tyler Hero's probably got to be included in any deal. Yeah, I mean you're probably right. You know what I mean, you never know though. The the Zen man, Pat Riley, you know that is true. He he, 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 know how to, he, he knows how to make things happen. Yeah, yeah. He got he, he got all the depot for 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 nothing yeah, for free. That's why, that's why I said the Zen man. Zen, he he the Godfather know how to make things happen down there. Yeah, trust me. That's why you no, got. Go that's why you got, me, that's go why you got chips. That's why you got chips. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, hey, look, he moved yeah. up. He moved. He moved up in the draft to get me. So I know yeah. he can make things happen. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, you was a, and, and, and it's crazy because you talk about like you was a vital, a very vital piece to that championship run. And it's just kind of like yeah. scouting apartment, Pat Riley. Like it's. It's serious hey, down there in Miami. It's, it's, it's definitely heat culture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> top tier franchise. Uh, Miami sure. and, the, and the Lakers. Top Miami definitely Lakers. one of the top franchises. Yep. Miami, the Lakers, and the Spurs. Top three franchises in the NBA, in my opinion. Oh. Absolutely. You, you know there's going to be some Boston fans that you know got a no. problem with that statement. They can have a problem. <laughs> that's, that's just the truth. Yeah. <laughs> there might be some Boston fans that got a problem with that statement. Uh, it ain't me, but I'm not gonna argue. I'm just I'm just gonna say the Heat are definitely one of the top tier franchises, no doubt. For sure, for sure, for sure, no doubt. <laughs> now, Norris, now, there's no pump fake. So, me and Thea like to get a little spicy. So, we're gonna ask you a question about. Oh, you want to you want to go some? Yeah, first? yeah. Go I just I just got one more thing before before that. Um, so obviously when we talk about Heat culture, um, I, I think it's important and essential that we talk about the greatest Miami Heat ever. Um. Dwayne Wade, 
Well, you you know you know it's significant when they when they change the name from Dade County to Wade County. You know that you've left your mark, and so you know he's left his mark on the court. Obviously, with the he owns just about all the Heat records as far as from a career standpoint. You know, scoring and assists and explosive games and all of that. But off the court, what he's done in the community in Miami. Um, the city just resonates with him. You know, you, you, should, you should see how they react when they see him, you know, and how they treat, you know, D-Wade down there. So, I mean, he's the he's the best, you know, as far as career goes, he's had the best career, you know, in a Miami Heat uniform. And that's why they're going to retire his jersey, and that's why he's going to have a fame, and that's why it's called Wade County, and if, it'll forever be Wade County. Yep, top, top three shooting guard all time, the greatest – NBA player to ever wear the number three jersey, in my opinion. Yeah. See, all right, you're just starting up drama, but I, I, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, that, that right there that wasn't right even right. necessary. It wasn't even called for. It wasn't even, he's, in the con- <laughs> hey, he's definitely in the conversation. You can't leave him out that conversation. I'm not denying it at all, but at the same time, you know for a fact, you're not about to say that and just think people are going to say, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know there's yeah, a... You know, there's a guy named Allen. Exactly, exactly. And Allen Iverson, Dwayne Wade, my two favorite players of all time. But if I had to give it to... Somebody, I had to give it to D Wade. Hey, D Wade won a D-Wade. championship his third season in the league. Yeah, and was the guy too. He didn't yeah, just win man. it. He talk was about the it. guy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, hey, listen, talk, hey, talk you, ain't gonna, you ain't gonna get no argument from me. I mean, it's a conversation, <laughs> but D Wade, my, I mean, I love yeah. AI too, but D Wade is the guy that I know that I went to war with. So of course, I'm gonna go. You know, yeah, I'm gonna go with Trey. We call him Trey, but. You know, just don't leave AI out that conversation either. For sure, for sure. Was, yeah, he was a bad man. I'm telling yeah. you right now. Yeah, <laughs> definitely bad. Yeah, definitely bad. And you, and you talk about Dwayne Wade being that guy. I mean, AI in Wade. terms of being that guy solo and just yeah. But you know, yeah. it's always good to have those conversations. But yeah, go, go ahead, Amai, with um your your original question. It's no pump fake. So me and Thea is going to give you a player's name or anything basketball related, we want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind. I'm going to start it off. Alex Caruso. (laughs) (laughs) Alex Caruso, the first thing that came to my mind because I look at a guy that doesn't get... Norris talks about role players like in the NBA and stuff like that. I talk to... He's a all-star NBA champion type of role player. Like he's very important to a lot of teams. The Bulls right now is important to Los Angeles Lakers. I don't want to know. What he, I want to know about Alex and, Caruso. And, and, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. Go ahead, go ahead, nurse. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. My answer is gonna shock you, but when I think of Alex Caruso, I think of College Station, Texas A&M. Okay. Yeah, but he is. A, I, I think about ultimate role player though. That's that's yeah. the second thing. Ultimate role player. And just and just for the record, y'all, the only reason why I laugh is because of all the NBA players I've ever dribbled to basketball. That was the name I was expecting to hear first. That's all. That's it. I, it was, just, I wasn't either. I wasn't either. Like, 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 you know, we have a we have a real. Not we have a real. So I think a college station, Texas. Okay, but we have a real basketball player. We talk about all teams, all right, players. But, right, <laughs> completely sure. understand that. But just you hey. know, trust me, that was not the first person who I thought. <laughs> like you <laughs> said, say. no pump fake on that one. Facts, <laughs> facts, facts, facts. All right. Um. So my turn. Uh, John Morant. Star. He gonna be the. I, I believe he got a chance to be the best point guard in the league one day. Mm. You know, as long as that Steph Curry guy running around, it's gonna be hard. But you know, I, I believe in. I believe in a few years. I believe John Morant can be the top point guard in this league one day. You know what? Uh, he believes it too. He yeah, believes it too. Yeah, he, so he don't just believe helps. it. He's showing. It. Yeah, it ain't, it ain't just believing. 
he he ain't just talking it either. He out there doing it. Yeah, it's a guy in Atlanta that may have something to say about that. But John John Morandis, <laughs> you know, mm. he's up there. This dude be tiptoeing with his statements, <laughs> man. <laughs> no, I mean tiptoeing with his statements. Man. I know, right? Hey, right for, come on, stand man. Stay with your chest. Stay with your Tra- chest. Tra- 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 to say I'm about that. With, I'm going with John Morant though in that argument. I'm going with even Trey. though even though Trey. Trey's a special one too. Don't Trey's get a bad twist. man. Trey's Trey a bad, bad man. man. But, hey, yeah. but Ja, Ja, that dude, and Ja out there in the West, where the point guard position every night is a jungle. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, that's, that's I mean, true. All right. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. Go ahead. Here, here go another one. Um, basketball analytics. Don't like it. Talk about it. It's one thing to know numbers it's another thing to try to integrate numbers into a human interaction and not use your eyes i believe analytics are helpful but when you start making whole decisions based off of analytics and not the player when you start looking at players as numbers i i have a problem with that you know i, I believe that your eyes use your eyes use your instincts and then put it in the analytics but when you go analytics first i don't I'm not one of those guys that believe in that. Do you feel like it's a problem because a lot of guys that are in front office positions now are <laughs> they probably never played basketball before or know the first thing about basketball? I'm going to say this. It has changed the way basketball is played, not for the better to me, because it's taking away some of the arts of the game. It's taking away the post-up game. It's taking away the mid-post game. It's taking away the mid-range game. It's taking away the pivots and everything. It's taking all that away, and it's diluted the game to dunks, layups, and threes. And I don't think that that's real basketball. I don't. I don't think that's the best way to play basketball. Yeah. This. Yeah. Like, um, this. This game of basketball, bro, is an art, and there's many ways of art. But when you start taking taking the art out the game. Some of the best part of the art out the game, I don't, I don't, I don't like that because I like the NBA when you had multiple styles. Yep, you had the Phoenix Sun style, you had the Lakers style, you had the Spurs style, you had the Miami Heat style, you had the Dallas Mavericks style, you had the Chicago Bulls. It was different styles of game. Now you look on the game, you don't even need to see the jersey. Sometimes you know what's gonna happen. They're gonna shoot fifty threes. They're going to shoot all dunks. You're not going to see no post-up pivots, left hand, right hand, no mid-post head fake, no floaters. no. And you're just not going to see a lot of that. You're not going to see no floppy actions. You know, you're not going to see no pin down, you know, curls, none of that. You're going to see come down, pick and roll, and then let's get them up. And, you know, I I, I don't believe that's the, the best way to play basketball. If, if your team is built like that and you have players capable of that, that's cool. But. You know, I believe that there's more to the game than just threes and dunks. I agree. Yeah, same here. I got one for you. Um, a player's coach. Ty Lu and Doc Rivers. Hmm. Yeah, that those guys are definitely players' coaches. And it's funny because, you know, Ty Lu came up under Doc. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely – Doc Rivers and Ty Lue, the first names I think of when I think of players coach because they've won, they've played the game. They played the game on a high level. Um, they've coached up under some great coaches as well. So they got, you know, both sides of the coin. 
And so they they understand when to push their team, you know, when to call them out. But they also understand when to, you know, take their foot off the gas and let the players express themselves. LeBron James recently just came out and talked about Ty Lue. Basically, he has no weaknesses as a coach. So that's high praise for Ty. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is high praise. Everybody has their, you know, flaws. But he's definitely as, as close. He's as close to a complete coach as they come, especially for this for this generation of NBA, because Ty Lewis, you know, he he can he can relate. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not some old dude, you know, so he he ain't too far gone. He can relate to the young guys, you know, but he can also, you know, check, you know, hold everybody accountable. He can, you know, press your buttons. He got X's and O's. He got ATOs. He has good staff. You know, he, he he's a complete coach for sure. Who do you feel has more of a right to be in the top 75, Anthony Davis or Dwight Howard? Dwight Howard. I believe Dwight why, Howard. Why, why, why Dwight and not Anthony Davis? Uh, I believe people forget what Dwight did earlier in his career, how he was the best big in the league. He won three straight defensive players of the year. He constantly led the league in blocks and rebounds. He was a franchise player on the Eastern Conference Championship team that beat LeBron, that played in the finals. I mean, if you look at the numbers and his stats, okay, his stats are better. I mean, his his blocks, rebounds, all of those things, his accomplishments. I mean, I mean, people forget about what he did in Orlando, bro, and and it, like what he did in Orlando and in Houston. Everything he did before his back was hurt, before he hurt his back, it would have been a no question. Dwight Howard was a top seventy five player. Like I don't, I don't understand that. Okay, and that's I'm, not I'm taking you. away. That's not taking away from AD. That's just letting you know how great Dwight was. Like, Abs- absolutely, and that's why I appreciate your explanation because it was more so an option in, in talking highly of yeah. Dwight as opposed to talking shit about AD. Yeah, one, I don't like when people do that. I don't like when people right, praise right. one dude and, and and dog out another player. Right. I ain't gonna never do that because Anthony Davis is special in his own right. But there was a clear difference when Dwight was the top player in his franchise versus when you know AD was the top player in his franchise. It was a difference. I, and okay. that's an unbiased. AD was my teammate, so I know how special he was. But I so, mean, I, yeah, yeah. So, 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 let me ask you though: what some people might argue against that and say that well, Dwight had a better team when he was a number one option. And Anthony you know Davis, this, you know, what, what are you gonna say about? And you know this, Cole, because everybody loves to talk about certain players. People were saying Devin Booker's not great, Zach Levine's not great, and then it's just like the real ones that watch the game with their eyes and not box scores you can tell when a player is just like missing a great team situation. So one people, people will argue that, you know what? Anthony Davis really didn't have a great team situation compared to Dwight Howard. So that's what people are going to say but, when you compare those two. Yeah, they can try to say that, but at the end of the day, AD did have some tough teams that he played for. There's no lie, but he also has some teams that kind of underachieved a little bit. Um, and then you, Orlando, wasn't really good before Dwight got there. They wasn't like elite like how they were when he was there. They he helped build the franchise up. And then management made some moves to help him, obviously. But I mean Dwight got to Orlando and guess what? Orlando significantly upgraded yeah. because of him. You know? So I, think, I you know I mean I, I think you make the same case for New Orleans. Obviously, you know, they didn't make the finals the same way do I did, but I think right. I think the real yeah. I think the real I think the real question Theus wants to ask <laughs> is if you swap Anthony Davis and put him on that Orlando Magic team, 
do you think Anthony Davis could have led the Orlando, Ma- Orlando Magic team to the NBA Finals? I think that's what if Theus you, really wants. Or also, or also, or also, what do you think Dwight would have done with the the Pelicans? Well, Either I'll one. say this. I'll say this. If Anthony Davis was with Orlando, they wouldn't have made some of the same moves because of his skill set. They made those moves for Dwight because of what Dwight brought. Dwight was an athletic freak. You know what I mean? That's what he was. He was a shot blocking, alley oop threat, shut the whole paint down, physical freak. You know what I mean? Yep. He was a generational defensive talented player that also gave you 20 points and 13 rebounds. You know what I mean? And so you wouldn't have made the same moves to your roster. But, you know, if Dwight went to New Orleans, I mean, who knows? I mean, if, who knows? If you if you gave him some of those same players, you know, Ryan, you know, Ryan Anderson, who was his teammate yeah. in Orlando, you saw what he did versus what he did in New Orleans. I mean, I you you don't know. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you give him shooters like, you know, I think part of it, yeah, hey, man, I ain't going to lie. I think yeah. Dwight could have did some good stuff in Orlando, in our, you know. I, I think they both would have done well yeah, with, you I think know, they either, either organization, you know. I, but I, one thing I would say about AD is, like, he's probably one of, like, maybe four players, I feel, in league history that could do every single thing on the basketball court. Like, every single thing. Like, protect the rim, even facilitate a little bit, shoot the three, dribble, yeah, that's a different argument, score. Though, right, 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 right. Of course, of course, of course, of course, of course, of course. Of better than somebody, though. Of course, of course, of course. Of course. Just because you can do a thousand different things, I may only be able to do one thing, but that one thing might be more dominant than anything your five right. things can do. So right. I, don't, I don't like to compare right, right. that. But AD of course, is of course. Guy, AD is the guy that can do everything. I mean, of course. Offensively, he can you know he can shoot the mid range. Um, he's work he's working on his three ball. Um, you know he can rebound. He can defend. He can, you know obviously he got he can, he got all the offensive you know game. It's just a matter of putting it together. Like there's a difference between the when you uh, uh the A guy versus a support st- superstar, a superstar versus support superstar. Like Giannis is a superstar. He's a number one option superstar. Uh-oh. You know what I mean? Like there's a there's oh. a bit of a difference. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Ma, make sure y'all your sounds on for this. Just want to make sure you're hearing everything Norris is saying. That's all. I mean, I mean that's true, but at the same time, I mean, we did see Anthony Davis <laughs> in the NBA bubble. He was not just the best player on the Lakers, in my opinion. <laughs> I thought he was the best player in the entire playoffs. So it's just kind of like I get the whole like everybody's gonna say he had LeBron, but to no, me hey, that bro, entire no, playoffs. No, 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 Don't don't sugar pass that. He had LeBron. Don't get thank that you, and thank LeBron you. Stop saying LeBron's player. name LeBron like it's yeah, player. LeBron. It's LeBron yeah, no, James. No, 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 no. Not for yeah, that yeah, entire run. Do I don't know, man. I don't know for the hey, 2020 bro, listen, NBA playoffs, bro. I don't know, bro. Please. He had a great bubble. Ad had a great bubble. We're not going to downplay that, but listen, when you got that man. <laughs> when you got when you got the best when you got the best player of this generation on your squad, you're living more comfortable. Different. Way it's more different. comfortable. It's way more comfortable, bro. It's the, it's the same. It's, it's the kind of the same kind of like you know with the Kyrie thing. Like people think of Kyrie the way they think of him because of how he looked when he played with LeBron, and he did it on the highest stage. You, you don't get to that highest stage without that guy to showcase it. You know. And that, and that's not taking anything away that's from Anthony Davis or Kyrie. You feel that's me? That's not. Fact. It's just that when you playing with Bron, you playing with Bron. So it's like, yo, 
Bruh. That's cool. You know, his numbers were nice. Like, I'm not taking anything away from AD, but dog. Bro, when you <laughs> play with those dudes. Ron James, come on. Anytime you play with a superstar, anytime you play with a superstar and you play well, it's going to get even boosted up more. Like, even if you're a role player, even yeah. if you're a role player, like me playing with LeBron and like Shane Batty and us playing with LeBron, we got even more credit probably than we deserve because we was on a high <laughs> platform playing. Yeah. Like, Dudes like that played for those Bulls teams with Jordan, we wouldn't <laughs> think of them the same if they didn't play with Jordan. Steve but Kerr, they played yeah. with Jordan, so you can't take away from them. like, hey, look, so they played with him, so we can't take him away. But if you take Jordan off those teams, those some of those guys, we wouldn't look at them the same. That's just that's just a fact. That that don't that's mean they wouldn't be stars, but the level of stardom would be a little different. Yeah, that's real. I mean. It's a lot hey, of bro, situations. Don't, it's a lot don't, of situ- don't never, don't never say, "Oh, don't say the Bron thing." Like, no, like <laughs> he said, "Thank don't, you." Don't never, thank ever. you. Don't, this man said, "Yeah, I mean, he had LeBron." I mean, what are you talking about? Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> you're just about? talking about. You're right. Yeah. He had LeBron. That's a big ass <laughs> yeah. difference. That's just like that's a huge eight. difference. Yeah, we, we, you know, we, we had, the, you know, we, we. You know, we had the UACB and, you know, Ray Allen and all that. But, so, I mean, we had LeBron a little bit. But no, no, like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, that's not. That's, that's valid. A huge, that's valid. That's valid. That's a huge piece of the puzzle here. That's valid. That's Bruh, valid. That's a big piece of the puzzle. Uh, yeah, if, you that's valid. Those, if you take LeBron off the Lakers, man, the Lakers would be back to, like, what they were in New Orleans. Where they are now. The, the, only, the only reason I said that, because I don't know. I think Giannis is a better player than Anthony Davis because he's more dominant. I think Anthony Davis is more skilled than Giannis. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like last year Giannis didn't have a favorable situation. And I and he won a championship. He did what he was supposed to do. But at the same time, if you looked at those conference finals and the Western Conference finals and you looked at those four teams, I was like, damn. And we got, we got this recorded. I was like, damn, like Giannis should win a championship if he's who everybody says he is. And he did it. So hey, shout out to him. But let's let not pretend like he didn't have a favorable situation. I, That's I, all I I'm saying. I can't, I can't. I mean, hey, listen, in order to win a championship, you have to be healthy. You have to have a lot of things going for you. That's but all I'm listen, saying. But listen, bro. If I tell you, if you win back-to-back MVPs, defensive player of the years, and finals MVP, and then they told you a guy who never even won an MVP or defensive player of the year, that he has more skills than you. What would you look at? What would you say? You would be like, I would uh, say a lot of those. I would say a lot of those awards are very situational if you break it down because of the media runs a different game than people just actually no, no, watching no, no. basketball. We comparing the two players that you just talked about, though. We that's not fine. About- I can argue that that Anthony Davis should have had a defensive player of the year award over Giannis. I can argue that the one that Giannis just won this past year. I can argue that Anthony Davis should have had that defensive player of the year award. If okay, you really fine. Even e- 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 if that's what you would ad- want to address with the whole media and the worst thing, at the end of the day, Giannis did score fifty and it closed out. So, so all that other stuff is of opinion. Course. Of course, and Giannis, Giannis came, did do that. Giannis of course, built up the Bucks. The Bucks was a was a nothing franchise as well, and Giannis built that franchise up. So, like, I, and, yeah, and you know, I mean, and you know I don't think funny. I don't think it's a conversation that can be had at this point. Like, you, I don't think I you can really. The pedigree right now is not something that you can talk about. I mean, maybe down the line, but I mean, the man got two MVPs and a defensive player of the year and a finals MVP. That's like Michael Jordan and Kim Olajuwon, the only ones in, in that conversation. That's no, that's that. real. Like, that's real. That, I mean, that's, bro, and a 50 piece in the finals. That, Close out. Bro. 
last game of the season. That's crazy. And he had to go through KD too. Like, don't forget that. Yeah, with with a hobble James Harden on one leg. Yeah, he did. Kyrie, hey, but Kyrie listen, Irving being out. You can't control like who you playing against. I, I know you can't. I'm just saying. I just said. Control- we- I agree. I agree. But I'm just saying. I'm gonna bring it up. I'm not gonna pretend right. like those things didn't happen. That's all I'm saying. Well, well, well of course. But your your this year this, towards- this year this year would be a great opportunity. Knock on wood. If everybody's healthy, to really showcase. Improve that, yo. Like some people think Giannis is the best player in the world. I think this should be a, a perfect opportunity to do it. Though. Exactly. Thank you. Every, Thank you. You Thank can you. say that every single year of every single champion. Like you can say that. Like you can say, oh, this guy was old. This guy was hurt. This guy was this. This that. that this situation was this that. Hey, man. If we if if was a fifth, we all be drunk. Are you saying is Giannis <laughs> is, is Giannis the best player in the world? Norris Cole. Is that what you're saying? That's what it seemed like you said. Hey, listen, coming into the season, I did say that. But the chef, with the chef Curry with the pot, what he's doing yeah, right he, now? He's been active. He's been active. He's been active. Coming been into active. the season, I did say Giannis. I think Giannis has taken the crown. But, hey, that guy Steph Curry has made me rethink that. You <laughs> yeah. hear me? Hey, Steph, hey. Steph done made a lot of people Steph like, damn, maybe, 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 maybe I must have forgot who this hey. man was. No, not a lot. Both of y'all forgot because neither one the best player in the world, in my opinion. Let that hate go, my brother. Let that hate go. That belongs to that, that man in BK, but we get into Let that. that hate go, bro. Let that hate go, man. I mean, that's, Let that I mean, hate that's go, argument you can say, but, I, hey, but that guy Chef has, you know, we saw yeah. what Chef did with him and without him and continuing to do. I mean, all, all four are talented. Okay. All, all four, I think, yeah, may I, have a nah, case. No, you can't go wrong with none of them. I mean, yeah, I, I ain't going yeah, yeah. yeah. to argue. It's a toss-up. It's a yeah, toss-up, yeah. I think. Yeah, at this but, point. But, hey, it ain't never, hey, what this dude Chef doing, it ain't never in the history. <laughs> and I mean, in the history. It ain't been a cat. <laughs> that's the, that's the deal what he done done in basketball, bro. Yeah. <laughs> that's facts. That's valid. Hey, and, and, and the, I'm talking about in the history, bro. This dude right here, <laughs> and it's hard for me to get cast praise like this. But listen, bro, <laughs> ain't, can't nobody see the <laughs> chef. Bro. It ain't a point guard that can see the chef. Uh-uh. No, r- r- real recognize real. I'm not mad at it. Yeah, I mean, bro. for the first yeah. time in a long time, I think there's a real discussion among like who truly, truly, truly is the best player in the world. I mean, for he sure. pretty much got LeBron four, had four options. For a long time. He did. He did. And now it's like, and again, for the record, that's not a knock to LeBron. It's not. But like when you think about what the other three guys are doing, it's like, damn. And he's in year on. 19. Like he's in year 19 and still a top He's about five, to be 37. That is, that is nuts. That's <laughs> he's about to be 37 in, in, in two and a half weeks. <laughs> that is crazy. That's 37? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know what the average 37 year old is doing right now? Yes. Not playing going, NBA basketball at a high level. Going to, ha- going to happy hour or something. Who went out the Y? Like, right. Like, but going, hey, to get they, going to get their bench press up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> being, a, being a stretch. <laughs> being a stretch at, at life man. fitness. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's real. Amar, what, what you think, man? You think we should give him a, a cap or no cap? I, I feel like we should. You got one? Uh, we, 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 we can, I think we can, you know, get one active. So, Norris, basically, you know, cap or no cap is a segment that we have where we ask you a question or present you with the statement and you let us know if it's cap or it's no cap. Gotcha. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm try- <laughs> well, I didn't ask a question. You're going to get messy. Look, you're trying, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> trying to get real messy. I see that right now. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Me? No. 
Never. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not. If, if you have them, feel free to, to to fly away. But let me think. All right. Um, I, I got I got one because people talk about. I feel this way personally. A lot of people feel this way, but some people may not feel this way. And you talked about basketball being an art, so I want to talk about a true artism in the game. So I'm going to say, cap or no cap, Kyrie Irving is the most skilled basketball player of all time. Cap. Talk about it. Michael Jordan played this game, bro. Well, I said point guard. Now, no, no, I, oh, I, I, I thought I heard no. Player. You said I didn't hear player. player. Of all time. I, 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 I mean, player. I mean, I meant point guard. I meant point guard. That, that, that is a big ass difference. <laughs> that is a big ass difference. Hey, you need to make yeah, this yeah. real. That, that is a big ass difference. I said, I said, that is a huge difference. Yeah, that's a big difference. Kyrie Irving is the most skilled. Cap or no cap? Kyrie Irving is the most skilled point guard of all time. All right, all right. Say one more. Say one more time. Say the whole. Say the whole thing again. So we all know. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's a huge difference. Cap or no cap, Kyrie Irving is the most skilled point guard of all time. I'm gonna have to say cap though. Oh my god, you taking a long time. Woo. No, I, I, I appreciate it that though. Yeah. I mean that I'm means he's you know cap. it wasn't an like easy does. cap though. It wasn't right. one of the yeah. ones where I just yell that out. It wasn't an easy one, but the first one was. Because he is, he's definitely one to one, but I mean, listen, this dude, Steph Curry, bro, this dude, Steph Curry, is his skill set is, is unbelievable. And even though they do it differently, he don't got no weaknesses on offense, bro. I mean, Bad. he can finish left hand, right hand. He got flotation device. He got mid-range. He got isolation. He got one-on-one off the dribble threes. He's the best ever at moving without the ball and getting threes at, at the point guard position, moving without the ball. I mean, he could draw fouls. Uh, I mean, so it's hard. I mean, he Kyrie would be the maybe the next name I would say, but this dude, Steph Curry, man, the chef, Chef Curry, man, is Chef Curry unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I. I can't watch Steph Curry play and then say it's somebody else. Unless someone wants to go with the narrative of, you know, Steph isn't a, a true point guard. But if that's the case, that's baloney. That's that's I don't go that's that's crazy. But if that's the case, you could probably say the same thing about Kyrie. So it, it, exactly. it works hand in hand. But so right. yeah, I I'm yeah, I I'm gonna go with Steph. I'll take Kyrie, yeah. but I you saying Steph is, you know, can't really argue that. Kyrie, but but crazy because no, Norris Cole said most skilled Player of all time, you think it's Michael Jordan? I I beg a different. Hey man, listen, but we even, but even that, that, that we can even all that, day that, long. Yeah, it's Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm just saying, but I don't. I think his protege. I think Kobe Bryant took it up a notch for his skill level. I think he listen, was. It's it's hard to when you when you have to break down and nitpick. You don't want yeah. to do that to a legend that's who's true. not here with us anymore. So it's hard for me to like break down the differences because I don't want nobody to think I'm hating on Kobe. So I ain't gonna do that. But there's the difference between Michael Jordan and Kobe. Just know that. Okay. And everybody in the basketball world that really know knows that there's a difference. There is a difference. Skill set though. We're not talking yeah, about hey, like man, better, skill. You know, I understand. Skill I understand. A different, is, it, is it is it that much of a difference it's, or is it like it's not? It's not a crazy difference. I'm not gonna sit here yeah. and say that, but it is. A, it's, it's a difference though. And part of the difference is because of their physical attributes and their gifts. You know, Michael Jordan's body type is different than Kobe's body type. 
you know, and Phil Jackson, you know, kind of explained that a little bit, you know, Michael Jordan's hands, his body was a little, you know, a little bigger, stronger. Um, the athleticism was different, you know, the way Kobe would jump and do things versus the way Mike, you know, but Kobe is definitely one of the most complete skill players to ever play this game. So I ain't going to never argue that. Okay. But I, I believe Michael Jeffrey Jordan is the best player ever and the most skilled player ever. I think they both benefited from the era that they played in, though. I think that probably, yeah. you know, has, has something to do with it, too. Well, I think um, they can play any era. Those two, they're oh, of course, both of course, of course, of course. Games, they both, their skill sets and the way that they play will allow them to dominate any era that they play in because they can shoot. They both can shoot and they both could finish. They both are clutch and they both are mean as you know what? <laughs> Competitive yeah. as ever. Both have you know, foot, so. footworkers. Footworkers impeccable. That's both what I'm saying. That, man, the footwork is crazy. And that's what they're taking out of the game now. I don't get it. Yeah. That When you can shoot a mid-range jumper, you are unstoppable. Unstoppable. Because you're going to have to, you have to respect this so they can go around you. But you have to give them, you know, then you have to give them a little bit of space because they both got tight handles. So, you know, that's going to give them room to shoot their threes, you know, when they need to. I mean, you can't foul them because they're going to make their free throws. Yep. I mean, it's it's just it's just crazy. They can go left hand, right hand, what you want, you know? <laughs> yeah. Head fake. And, and, and they know how to get fake. you in foul trouble. And they know oh, how man. to, you know, finesse yeah, that. So sure. Yeah, yeah. Kobe, sure. was, yeah, Kobe and Mike was crazy, but I just – Kobe had so many counters, man. Like he would get stopped. He had a counter for a counter. It was just he it's did. Insane. But it's Mike, insane. Mike, Mike had counters, but Mike didn't need a counter because you weren't gonna stop. You wasn't stopping his at all. Mike would tell you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go right and then shoot this midi. All right. So yeah, you do what you yeah. gotta or, do. Or <laughs> or I'm a, I know you know I'm gonna shoot the back shoulder face. So I'm a back shoulder head fake you jump and then shoot it. Back yeah. shoulder. You know I'm gonna shoot the back shoulder one again. I'm gonna still do the back shoulder. I'm gonna head fake then step through. And then the next time I'm going to head fake you and then jump into you and then go shoot the free throw. And then the next time I'm going to fake the back shoulder and shoot the other shoulder. Like it's a whole breakdown just off of the one move that he didn't really have to, he didn't have to do a lot of extra stuff. You know, he just worked off the fundamentals of it. Yeah. Would you, is that, would you say that's because defense wasn't as tough? I, I feel like Kobe playing in the toughest era. In the NBA compared um, to Mike, though. So that's why I'm not, I'm not going to say that because of defense. I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to say, it's, you know, that's just his greatness. Because Mike, you know, I think Mike played in tough eras. Mike played in the 80s, the 90s, and the, the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And you got to think in the 80s, you know, the 80s had some great – I mean, you, if I start naming players, you know, I mean, that played – I mean, it's, we, we can name some. Then in the 90s, some of your favorite players that are in the 2000s got drafted in the 90s. Kobe got drafted in the 90s. Shaq got drafted in the 90s. Reggie, you know what I'm saying? Like, you get Grand Hill, Penny Hardaway, Allen Iverson, these dudes got drafted in the 90s. So, you know, MJ schooled a bunch of them. <laughs> 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 MJ schooled a bunch of them, you know? Yeah, the, the list of players that don't have a ring because of Michael Jordan is, is extensive. I mean, <laughs> yeah, or guys, or guys that will have more rings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. It, it, it is what it is, though. I mean, hey, sometimes yeah. that's just how luck is. You know, you play in an era with – same thing with LeBron, you know. But, hey, yeah. it is what it is. Kobe you know? Kobe played in the great era, though, because he, he got some of Jordan – in some of those 90s legends, and then he got the ones in his era, like the T-Mac, the Vince Carter, the Allen Iverson, and then he got the the D-Wade, the Gilbert Arenas, the LeBrons, 
and then even KD was, you know, in the early part. So yep. Kobe, Kobe went saying. through. A, yeah, yeah, he went through a nice era too. Hey, that that that's that is tough. Yeah. That's the tough. Yeah. yeah, man. Um, but yeah, I I just want to say, Percy, man, you know, thank you, um, Norris, for you know, obviously being on the show and and whatnot. Um, I think it was a dope, dope fire episode. Um, but if you have any uh, uh final words for our uh, no pump fix audience, any it doesn't have to even have to be like a take or anything. Just um, if you want it to be by me, fly away. <laughs> <laughs> now, for one, I just want to say thanks for having me. Uh, this podcast has been fun. Uh, make sure y'all you know keep following, subscribing to you know to Slam. You know, also give your boy a shout out. You know, Norris Cole on Instagram and um. I have a podcast, um, Believe in Miami Heat podcast, that you can subscribe to, you know, on Apple or, you know, like I said, on IG or Twitter. And so, you know, I appreciated this. You know, shout out to Heat Nation. Shout out to the NBA. Um, you know, shout out to basketball, period, man. We all love basketball. And so this was this was great, man. For sure, for sure, for sure, man. Appreciate you for being on the, sh- being on the show. Yes, sir. Like, man, shout out to Cleveland State, too. Shout out to Cleveland State, man. There you go. Make sure y'all get that Viking on there, man. <laughs> Always got a rep. <laughs> there you go. Hey. All right, y'all. We out. Peace.